Welcome to the Facility Dude Podcast. Here's your hosts, Bob, Papa Dude Bittner, and Tony Butler. Welcome to Episode 8 of the Facility Dude Podcast. Papa Dude, how you doing today? I'm doing good, but I'm about 10 pounds heavier, I think. <laughs> so, so Thanksgiving treated me well. Yeah, I would say I'm a good 10 to 12 pounds heavier myself. Quite a bit of turkey, um, just too much food. <laughs> but you know, being with uh, being with family, and I just have so much to be thankful for, and uh, we just had a lot of blessings to uh, to talk about around our table on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, I hope you did too. Definitely, we're very fortunate. So, um, well, we'll move it on for for episode eight today. We're going to be talking about the importance of or the important information uh, to track in your CMMS. You know, Tony, we talked the last time about key performance indicators, and some folks might have said, well, how do I get all of that information in there, and what do I do? And so what we want to look at today is what are some of the things, some, some of the foundational things that you want to get in the system so you really can get those reports out afterwards. And uh, I think a couple key things to start out with is just a good listing of your buildings, your equipment, uh, your employees, um, the parts that you use, all those kind of things that have an impact on doing work. Right. I know um, some of the facility managers I had met with some folks in Texas recently, and and, uh, one of the things that they looked at was square footage of their facilities and being able to look at the overall cost of maintenance and they were benchmarking the cost of maintenance per square foot in their facilities and that was something that they were pulling out of their CMMS. You know one of the things that uh, oftentimes people don't put in their CMMS because it's hard to sometimes get your hands on the the numbers but it is square footage of your buildings mm-hmm. and that's a common um, indicator of comparing building to building to building whether it be in utilities or work done or whatever, people look at the square footage. It's a good measurement. It's a a common denominator. And so people are uh, uh, looking at at that from a standpoint of square footage. People ask, well, should I put gross square footage or should I put net square footage? Net being, do I take out all the wall petitions in there and just use the, uh, the net square footage? Or do I use gross? Do I just do the... Again, you know, I would just do it uh, and be consistent about it however you do it, and uh, it's not that important. The size of the walls don't make that big of a difference, uh, you know, the overall um, calculations. But having a, a, a relatively good number that you're going to work with from a square footage, uh, and, you know, it's just basically they can get a gross square footage just by taking the, the length and the width of the building and and multiplying it, and you come up with the square footage. So yeah. uh, those are fairly easy numbers to come by, and usually they're they're found on blueprints, uh, on the original prints. They'll have the square footage uh, indicated on that, so that's a good place to go. And sometimes uh, tax records, if they'll go back to right. tax records, uh, tax records have pretty good uh, indication of square footage. So that's a place they can get, get the data. Another place is uh, insurance records. Exactly. A lot of times the, that, that information is kept with the insurance company. Uh, so uh, you'll be able to find it there as well. And again, I think, Bob, you, you made a key point. Don't make it too complicated. It, it's fairly simple. It, when things get too complicated, you know, it can be overwhelming. So just keep it simple, um, the, the footprint of the building, and, and go with it. Yeah. Be consistent. Exactly. 
And then I think uh, some of the other things that allows you to do is to look at cost per square foot uh, and, and round that out, lots of different measurements. Once you have that square footage, you'd be surprised about how many different uh, comparisons you can do with other building owners and we, even within your own portfolio of buildings. Well, certainly. Building types is something to consider when you're looking and comparing at your facilities as well. Uh, but definitely being able to compare your facilities and also your peers and colleagues' facilities in the area. The other, uh, the other item that you really need to look at is about cost and how much do things cost. And I know a lot of people uh, kind of cringe about getting cost into their system because they're afraid of what people might see. Just for instance, let's take the, uh, a labor rate. An employee's, how much does it cost to have an HVAC technician in there? And a lot of people will say, I don't want to put uh, John's real labor rate in there because Bill might see it and that might upset Bill, that John's making uh, another buck an hour than he is. But I, I recommend not doing the specific uh, employee rate but what I like to, to look at is, and what I've done in the past, is do a trade rate. So you've okay. got uh, different classifications of employees, and you establish a rate for, for that trade okay. and apply it across. Because, again, you're not using this as a payroll system typically. You're looking at it as how much does it cost. And what we used to include in a lot of those things is some of the expendable items. Like what would it really take if you were a service person coming on the job how much would it really cost me to do that? So we took into account things like truck cost. Uh, we would use a figure of $6,000 a year is what a, the value of what it takes to, to have a service truck on the road, put gas in it, keep tires on it. We used to put an allowance for tools in there. And some of the expendable things, just like you know rags and things that they use every day, right. uh, small nuts and bolts that we don't try to track down to the nut and bolt level. But we create a, a, a shop rate for each individual trade, and then just apply that across. And again, that gives you a, a good uh, feeling about where you are. Again, it may not balance on the payroll, but that's not what's important here. So yeah, being able to take that information and use that as a manager to make sure you're capturing all the costs and make a more accurate decision on overall costs for a particular job. Yep, yep, exactly. Now, of course, that ties into um, you know our cost of materials, um, yeah, our cost per square foot. And again, the importance of tracking all that information. As a facility manager, it's part of your job to balance the budget and keep maintenance costs low, correct? Yep, exactly. And I think another area is, is materials in itself. Mm -hmm. you, know, you get time and you put the time associated with it. And there's a lot of debate about time. When, when should you start the time for a job? Um, we had this uh, when I was at Wake County. Do you start it when you arrive to the piece of equipment? And you really start physically doing that as opposed to when I get in my truck and leave the shop, do I start it? What, what we chose was uh, a ratio of about 60-40, that wrench time, wrench pulling time in the industry is somewhere between 60 and 70 percent of the time is excellent uh, wrench pulling time. And that varies uh, across the industry and whether your buildings are spread out or you're in one building or not, whether you have to travel or not. But what we did was we started it when, when the uh, technician got to the job. When he got there and he started working on it, that's we started the clock for the time, that, uh, and then it took so many hours. And as long as you're staying consistent in the way you measure it, uh, 
you're doing well. That allowed us to look at that 60-40 split of how much wrench pulling time we had. Then that other 40%, you know, is is chewed up with uh, doing paperwork, uh, going to the store to get parts, just a, a number of different training-ish, training classes and so right. forth that they have to do. So, uh, and, and uh, uh, let's not fool ourselves. Our guys like to take a break once in a while. They like to have a cup of coffee. They deserve we, a break. We shouldn't <laughs> begrudge them that. And so uh, we can't expect them to have a wrench in their hand for eight hours out of the day, but we want them to the biggest part of the day. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head again. Is just being consistent in how you track it. Uh, and, again, don't make it too complicated. Yeah. Uh, we want to keep things simple um, and, and make sure that it, it works for the organization. And, and when, you, when you're consistent, it's defendable. Mm-hmm. You say, here's my criteria. This is what I used. You know, if you're going to question it, let's go back and question the criteria. Let's not question the data, but here's how we do it. That's how we measure it. That's how we're measuring it across the organization. Great point. So, and then when you're, when you're looking at materials, you know, there's a lot of different ways usually in systems to get information in. I know we had, uh, we could pull things directly from uh, our warehouse and could apply it to the work order. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we did a lot of purchases on uh, purchasing cards. And that was a little more complicated because we, we had to manually uh, uh, put it in. Right. But uh, it's still worth the value of getting that in there. So you see the parts that are used. You'll be able to, if there's ever any question about warranty when you put that part in, if it was a part that was under warranty, you had some record of it uh, in that work order and with that piece of equipment. Well, definitely important, too, especially when you're making decisions on, uh, you know, parts that have been replaced. And what if you've replaced the same part several times? Uh, And if you're not tracking it, it's difficult to know that. So uh, you might make a different decision, choose a different supplier, different manufacturer for that particular part moving forward, right? Exactly. So uh, having having all that information in front of you, being able to report on it, being able to look at it uh, is, is key to managing well. Uh, what about what we're missing by not tracking those things? I know I talk to folks who just track whether they complete work or not. Uh, some folks do not track. Uh, we've talked about labor costs. Um, some, some folks don't track materials. Some folks do. So, you know, when we're not tracking those things, what are we actually missing? And I know we've talked about benchmarking already. We've talked about, we just gave the example with um, replacing the same part over and over again because we really can't remember. I mean, there's only so much I can remember. My wife will tell you um, that uh, there's only so much. (laughs) My wife too. (laughs) Imagine that, right? Um, But there's only so much I can remember uh, on, say, one particular piece of equipment. Yeah, and particularly if you have different people working on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have different technicians working on it, you might not know that they just replaced that board last week in there. Right. A control board on a piece of equipment. And if you got it recorded. And and really it... it, um, Helps you. I, I don't know how that you can manage well a facility organization and the work you've got to do if you don't keep track of all that equipment. If you only have a piece of it, you're only seeing a piece of the picture, and when you're asked about it, uh, it's you can't defend it. And uh, so if you keep track, if you, if you are consistent with it, and I know it can be a pain sometimes, and I know people can forget about it, and uh, that's okay, that's going to happen from time to time, but consistency and driving that home. And I think it's key working with the technicians out in the field to understand how do I make it easier for them to do it? How is it the easiest possible way to get that information into a system? Uh, Because we really do want them turning wrenches, right? We don't want them 
uh, on a computer. We won't, don't want them doing paperwork. We want them out there right. repairing and fixing and, and preventing things from happening. Well, I, I know we uh, referenced episode three and four last time, getting buy-in, uh, but this also ties into that because we talked to so many folks where maintenance is on the bottom of the totem pole, and, and a lot, a large part of or large part of the reason why that is the case is because in the past we haven't tracked these things that are important for us to track to be able to paint that picture to decision makers to get buy-in to justify staff to protect our staff etc and so it's it's definitely important to do those things so that we can not only get buy-in but also manage efficiently and i think another thing that's important is really putting some hours associated with work down Mm -hmm. Uh, estimating the hours and again you know estimate it it's it's the word is estimate. <laughs> it's not accurate 100% of the time, all the time, because there's variables associated with it. But most of our facility managers out there are smart enough. They're bright enough. They've got people that work for them that are smart enough that says, this job should take this long on a, on a normal condition. Yeah, you're going to tear it apart, and you're going to find out that some job that you planned for three hours is going to end up costing, taking you three days because... Once you got into it, here was all these other things that you found, and the shaft was really bad on this thing, and I have to go out and get a new shaft machine. So, But that shouldn't stop you from estimating jobs. Right. You've got a reason for it. You can defend it. So as long as you're consistent in that, uh, that's, what, that's what counts. Yeah. Understanding your workload, which can help lead to under- making sure you have enough staff on hand. Enough staff, enough financing to do it, and so forth. And it really opens up the the avenue of being transparent. Mm-hmm. And particularly in the in the public sector where uh, uh, we hear the word transparency thrown around more and more and more every day, people want to know. We have all kinds of information available to us uh, today. And we expect to be able to sit down at a computer, pull up our uh, Google search screen, and find just about anything we want at any time. And so we can, our, our manager can open up uh, our, our CFO can open up uh, the Google and say, how much should this cost me? How much should that cost me to replace a chiller? And uh, if he can find that information, certainly we can find that information and, and uh, do it well and with good data uh, associated with it. Well, and, and we sort of touched on it before. Some folks have fear of tracking or putting costs and labor time, but I, I think um, we've said it several times today is, being consistent with why you have the, you know, why you've said it's going to take this long or this cost. If you're consistent with your why, you'll be able to defend your decisions and and, and you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, being questioned as to why. Yeah, and I, and I think it's perfectly okay to uh, on the very front end of this to say to the people that you're going to have conversations with this, you know, my goal is to be accurate within ten percent of everything that we do. Uh, and I think that's a good number, mm-hmm. frankly. But you can make it 5% or you can make it 15%. But I'm going to be tr- try to be accurate uh, within 90% of the time of everything that I do. So there's only 10% chance of error. So we can talk about that. It could be 10% more. It could be 10% less. But uh, at least that's, that's where I'm going with this. This is where I want to achieve uh, in, in estimating things both from a, a labor standpoint, from a standpoint of parts, how much we're paying employees, all those kind of costs associated with it that, uh, that drive the, the, the end cost of, of associated with the work. 
And in the end, too, Bob, I mean, per- perception is reality, right? So if we're not able to paint that picture and show whether it's our C-suite, our managers, our um, the public, what we're doing, you know, what is their perception of what our department does and what our staff does? And, and that's an excellent point, Tony, because I think the more that you can understand, you get good data into your system, the better you look as a manager. It mm-hmm. makes you look like you know what you're doing. Most people know what they're doing, right? but you couldn't tell it by looking at them. And uh, we've got a lot of smart, bright uh, facility managers out there, and we want to help elevate that to a level that uh, in the organization, when somebody comes to the facility manager or thinks about the facility manager, they're going to say, you know, I get good information from Bill. I know Bill, uh, when he forecasts, he's going to forecast well. He's going to give me good numbers. He has some data to back it up. And typically then Bill will get what he wants because he's got things that he can uh, show, that he can defend and present to people that get get results. Yeah, when you do a good job, people notice. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, Bob, I know we're going to have to wrap up. I think we have to uh, probably start our exercise program now to drop yeah. some of this weight and uh, get ready for the food we're going to eat for the Christmas holidays. Yeah, and, and I think my exercise is probably going to go be go shopping now because I <laughs> I haven't done any of that yet. So I don't know if you have yet or not, but uh, I've missed Black Friday and uh, I'm going to be on to Blue Monday or something, whatever they're calling it these days. So I, I know my wife has been telling me we got to get on it. So I don't think we've done much yet. Well, uh, have a great day. Good being with you in the studio here again today, Tony. And uh, uh, we want our folks to uh, uh, join us on Stitcher and iTunes. And uh, we want you to leave us some comments. We we love to hear back from you. And uh, Tony, how would they email us? Email us at podcast at facilitydude.com. Keep them coming, y'all. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Facility Dude Podcast. We love to hear your feedback about the show. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and help other facility operations professionals like yourself find the show. Email your questions or comments to podcast at facilitydude.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Facility Dude. We look forward to hearing from you.